Welcome, everyone, to the Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me, and as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me, that's me, that's me. Exciting times. Yes, 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 grumpy. Um, The Islanders have advanced to the next round of the playoffs. They beat the Washington Capitals in five games. And I'm going to be honest with you, grumpy. I've really liked the way the Islanders have been playing as of late. Yeah, with the exception of two periods in game four. Uh, we absolutely dominated Washington, and I hate to give TJ any credit, but he did make the prediction of Islanders in five. Where I said I, Islanders in six, he, he did say Islanders in five. He was right. People were laughing me off the stage. We had, and again, albeit they were Washington fans, or or maybe they didn't necessarily know too much about the Islanders, but a lot of people thought this was going to be a long, hard-fought series. And I told you, I just didn't think that was going to be the case. And it was for a few reasons, right? Obviously, Samsonoff not playing in net, I think, definitely contributed. I think Holpe this year had you know a lackluster year, to say the least. And it showed as well in the playoffs. And not really as a shock, grumpy old man. We talked about this on our last podcast. If the Washington Capitals got beat and in a convincing fashion the way they did against the Islanders, you had to figure Todd Reardon's job was on the line. And sure enough, today, on Sunday, he was fired. Well, I don't know if he was fired for being a bad coach or just having a criminal haircut. So, But he's gone. And, you know, do you think that Washington was maybe kind of admitting that they should have ponied up and signed Barry Trotz to a long extension? you think they're thinking about that now? You have to figure they are, especially with what Barry Trotz has done with the New York Islanders. He inherited a team that had only been to the playoffs and won one playoff series in the last 20 years. And, you know, two years as a head coach, he's brought them to the playoffs two years in a row, and he's also won two playoff series. So, and again, I, I don't really count the postseason victory over the Florida Panthers. I look at that more of as a, um, a postseason or a playoff buy-in game. Of sorts, but he's definitely won two legitimate postseason series um, last year, obviously, and now this year. So you have to figure the Washington Capitals are kind of looking at their pitcher and thinking to themselves, Ovechkin's getting up there in age. Um, they have, I mean, Backstrom's getting up there in age. They have a few pieces that are really, really cornerstones of their franchise that are getting up there in age. And Todd Reardon now has been bounced out. In the first round of the Stanley Cup fi- or the Stanley Cup playoffs, two years in a row. Last year was in Game Seven against the Carolina Hurricanes, and this year it was in a much less convincing fashion against the New York Islanders. I think they had to look at their situation and say, "We've got a finite amount of time left with our core nucleus. We have to get the right man in charge to be our head coach." Yeah, and uh, you know, you have one more year of Ovechkin before he's an unrestricted free agent. I think you're right about them having limited time. Uh, to win certainly with him there, you know, they kind of have gone back to what they were before Barry Trotz got there, which was a team with immense talent, but just something just didn't click. And they had that buy-in for that one year when he was there and they won the cup. Now, I don't know if you can do that year after year with high-end talent, uh, but for that one year, they certainly did it. And they've kind of resorted back to the team that I would consider an underachiever come playoff time. And, uh, you know, I guess Todd Reardon just isn't the guy. I don't know who they're going to bring in, uh, but it'll be interesting to see who they do. So and about these people who are going after you on Twitter and everything else for predicting what you do. You know what I call them? Losers. That's what I call them. <laughs> Flyer, I mean, they're capitals. They're Flyers fans. Well, we're going to get to them. Uh, grumpy, grumpy is geared. I have to try to rein him in. I'm sure he's going to try to jump the gun on the Philadelphia Flyers. I hate the Flyers. I hate them despise them. I want to beat I don't care if we win a cup if we beat those flyers. <laughs> I'm going to have to reel you in just before I had a chance to finish it off. I'm going to have to reel you in I feel like multiple different times to stay on course grumpy old man to prevent you from talking about the Philadelphia Flyers. But you talked a little bit about the Washington Capitals. I think you're right. They've reverted a little bit to what they were before Barry Trotz. If you remember that team before Barry Trotz was there, they wanted a lot of forechecking out of their defensemen. They wanted offensive production. I mean, look at look at Mike Green. Remember, he was he was touted as a very, very highly and talented and elite defenseman for a lot of years. Necessarily didn't play great defense, but had that offensive acumen and could really put the puck in the net. And they loved him there. And 
And even John Carlson, I mean, he does a little bit better job defensively. But again, he's another guy who's one of those offensive defensemen. And I think they put more pressure on their defenders to kind of to be more offensive minded than it was in the Barry Trotz system. And you've kind of seen the goals against average over the last two years drop or actually increase um, since Barry Trotz has left. Well, that's the Trotz system, right? I mean, you know, the, the issue that they had previously before Trotz came in, and actually, I think the actually while he was there also, they couldn't get over the hump with Washington. I, I mean, with uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh would beat them every single year in the playoffs. And, you know, it took a while for Trotz to get over that hump too. I mean, let's be honest. Um, but enough about Washington. They're dusted. I mean, you know, I, I tell you. You know, I know I have I know some Washington fans, and they're losers for the most part. I now, mean, are you talking about the hockey troll and Paulie Cupcakes? They're losers, of course, but I wasn't necessarily talking about them. But why not? They thought I was insane there to predict the Islanders to win in five games. They thought I was crazy, grumpy old man. They thought I was insane. How could I think or imagine that the Islanders are going to make relatively quick work of the Washington Capitals? They thought bare minimum this game was going six, if not seven games. Well, like I said, Barry, you know, here's the thing. All you have to do is look at the games that the Islanders have played the Capitals the last two years, and they've all been really, really competitive. Uh, I, I Like I said, I was confident we were going to beat Washington, just like I'm confident we're going to absolutely uh, destroy Philadelphia. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Grumpy. We are definitely the vampires of the NHL. I'll tell you that much. Slowly sucking the life out of opposing teams. That's true. I hate Philadelphia. I just want people <laughs> to know that. <laughs> and I guess before we kind of dissect a little bit about the series uh, between the Islanders and the Capitals and kind of our synopsis on what that implies going forward, there's actually some important news around the NHL. Our old friend, Mike Milberry, has stepped away from being, I think, the, I don't know, I can, I always mess it up, grumpy old man, the color guy, or I, I or maybe the play-by-play, I'm not sure. The NH- okay, the NHL analyst. He has stepped away from being the NHL analyst from these NBC Sports Network um, the rest of this year's playoffs. And it's because he received some heat, Grumpy. And I'm going to preface it just by reading the quote, and we'll kind of get initial reactions. Mike Milbury said, not even any women here to disrupt your concentration. And to give a little context, the – well, they Brian, were, Boucher, Brian Boucher started. It was a conversation we're having. And Boucher said about, the same thing with well, the Boucher, of the women. Well, no, he was saying how it's easy to concentrate here because you're in a bubble. If you like that team environment, you can be fully immersed, things of that nature. And then Mike Milbury comes in and says, not even any women here to disrupt your concentration. Grumpy, initial reactions. Um, I, you know, if that's all it was going to take um, – to get him fired, think about how he decimated the Islander franchise and was GM for 10 years. I mean, if that's all it took, my gosh, I almost wish he was GM with the Islanders now and he would have been gone in, you know, in two days. As much as I hate PC culture and censorship, I wish that existed 20 years ago <laughs> in order to get Mike Milbury prematurely removed so he wouldn't go ahead and sink the franchise for 10-plus years of his general managership as well as the five years after that. Yeah, I guess I just kind of look at it this way. It's like, I didn't think he was slamming women. I thought he was slamming the guys for chasing women. I mean, and not doing their job. Almost that's the way I looked at it. I mean, you know, it is what it is. And that's just, a, this is, these are just the times we live on, love in, live in. So, you know, goodbye, well, Mike Milbury, I guess. Or, you know, here's the thing. He just said he stepped down for the rest of the year, and I guess they'll revisit it. Maybe he'll hope it'll go away. Who knows? I'm going to be honest with you, Grumpy. I, I agree with you. I think this is more a slam on the men. And for people out here saying it's very misogynistic against women, things of that nature, listen to the comment. He says, not even any women here to disrupt your concentration. Women are not distractions. Men vying and chasing after women are the distractions. And for people who can't understand that, you've never played a college sport at a high level and you've never played a professional sport. I can tell you and promise you one thing. Being in the locker room there, college as well as chance professionally, I cannot tell you how many times coaches would come in and have specific talks to the group in general, as well as specific players telling them that you can't be chasing women all the time. You have to go ahead and focus more on your craft. You have to focus more on the particular sport, and you have to redirect your focus. 
These young men that are 18 to 26 years old, if they're single men, what do you think they do after nights of games? Do you think they just go, all right, we finished up our game at 10 o'clock. Um, we don't have to go ahead and leave town because it's a home game. Our next game isn't until two or three days from now. I'm just going to go ahead and drive home, uh, watch the nightly news, and then go ahead and fall asleep. And I'm just going to do the same thing, repeat, repeat, repeat. No, these young men, especially single young men, are going out to bars and clubs. And you know what they're doing? They're trying to gather the attention of women, and they're trying to go ahead and find companionship. That is 110% what the majority of these men do. It has nothing at all to do with disrespecting women. I think it has more to do with the slam on the men, not being able to control themselves and not being able to act like professionals and actually take the sport seriously. When you're able to take that piece of the, the puzzle out of the equation, when you're able to take the women out of the equation, these men don't have the opportunity to make those mistakes that they consistently make. If men were able to consistently focus during the playoffs and things of that time period, if they're able to actually not go out there to bars and not go out drinking to strip clubs, they do that stuff all the time. I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with all pro, all pro NFLers. I mean, Clinton Portis, for example, he would tell us stories where he would go out the night before games, get absolutely obliterated, and of course he would find lady companionship and he would be told by coaches on multiple different occasions, you can't be doing that. You have to focus more on football. You have to put more into the actual sport. you got to focus more. You can be X, Y, and Z, but you're not focused enough on the sport. Stuff like that happens in hockey too. And I think that is more what that conversation had to do with, not degrading women, but actually telling the men that you need to actually focus on your craft. Well, I'm going to tell you what. I think that you offer a very interesting perspective on that because I didn't think that. I, Like I said, certainly not to the level that, that you're talking about. And it does make sense. And I'm sure that Clinton Portis, uh, if he listens to this podcast, will appreciate <laughs> you throwing him under the bus. And him. I, can, uh, I can promise you, Clinton Portis does not listen to our podcast. I'm not buddy-buddy with him or anything. It was funny. Actually, we met him in college. He was going around giving um, – I wouldn't call I guess you can call them speeches, but he was working. And I'm talking about this is on like small scale, grumpy old man. He was working very small scale. And I was kind of wondering, I'm like, why is an all, I think he was an all pro, but he definitely was a, a Pro Bowl caliber running back giving speeches here to our football team that doesn't have any affiliation with the team or the area. I thought that was a lot. Of course, he filed for bankruptcy there soon after. So he obviously needed the money. And this was on a, a specific campaign trying to convince young student athletes to focus more on schooling, to focus more on their athletics, and to focus more on extracurricular activities and not to be so focused on drugs and alcohol. And of course, that was a story that he happened to tell us behind closed doors. And I thought that was a little interesting. And he's not the only one. I cannot tell you how many countless professional NFL athletes have told me about oh, this is our last regular season game. The rookies have to do X, Y, and Z. They had to go take all the veterans out. This is on the Saturday before the game. And they're doing all this stuff, and they're trying to vie after women and trying to gather women companionship. The issue is the men don't have the self-control to focus on what's important, where they're still days before the game, the day before the game, going out, partying, drinking, doing drugs, you name it, and they don't perform. That's the reason why, because they don't have the focus. Well, a lot of that comes with youth, to be honest with you. Exactly. I mean, and that's why, you know, and I know the NFL certainly tries. They have the symposiums to try to teach the young guys, you know, save your money, blah, blah, blah. And really that should be the eight. Okay. Most of these kids have never seen money like they're going to see. And the same thing in the NHL, you know, from the, whatever their backgrounds are. You know, if in the NHL, if you come from a farm and, uh, you know, Brandon or something like that, you know, you're not making, you know, a million dollars a year, you know, doing that. And just like in the NFL, you know, you come from a, a poor background. You've never seen money like this. And I can see where you get intoxicated by that. Or you've never seen uh, the opportunity where people want to just hang all over you just because you can run a football or uh, throw a football or, you play or, shoot for a or shoot a basketball. I mean, and I, I do appreciate uh, your perspective on that. Now, that said, I mean, I know you had quite the rant there, which is fine. That's usually my job. But, hey, I'm going to let you stay out of your, get out of your box a little bit. I think that for certain the bubble has helped the Islanders without a doubt. And it's because they're such a close-knit team. I, I mean, I, I, I think it's really benefited them. 
And I think it's going to benefit them going against those dirty punk flyers starting this week, starting tomorrow night. <laughs> but, yeah, Grumpy, and to speak a little bit about that, there were so many guys who would go into the conversations where they'd bring in the rookies. All rookies have to have a financial advisor, at least contact with a financial advisor in some capacity when you join the NFL and you sign a contract that lasts for more than a year. You have to have some sort of advice or some sort of conversation because they want to go ahead and prevent you from blowing your money. There are so many situations where young men, they come in and they're going through this with rookies and they're talking about the different options they have. And people are like, no, I want all my money up front, despite it you know, being 15% less if I wait six months and then I get vested in the NFLPA's program, things of that nature. You would not believe how many people <laughs> have that thought. But even, even if this was a joke, and I think it also was intended to be a joke too, a stab at the men, but also, and a rightful stab at the men, but I also think this was, you know, even if you look at it where people are saying, oh, you know, oh, the wife isn't there. Ha ha ha. I can finally focus. It was a it was a poor joke. I don't think he had any ill will. He has said a lot of dumb stuff over the years. And this is a thing that gets him fired. That is I, I hate Mike Milbury. I hate I hate Mike Milbury more than anybody. Us as Islander fans can hate Mike Milbury more than anybody out there because of all the uh all the issues he's called the uh, caused the Islanders franchise years over years over years. And I hate to be in a situation where I'm defending him, but he has said a lot of dumb hockey takes and a lot of other dumb things. And this is a thing that might eventually get him fired. That definitely got him a, a little hiatus, but I cannot believe this is what got him fired. Well, I mean, and here's the thing, Mike, Mill, and here's the thing, athletes in general uh, might be misogynistic, very possible. The way some they, they feel about women. Some are. Just like some men are, some women are the same way. Again, like that you can't paint them all as good or all as bad. Right. I mean, I but I'm what I'm saying is, you know, there could be other things behind the scene where maybe everything kind of added up to this. Who knows? Like I said, I just wish that it would have been it would have happened when he was GM of the Islanders, and then we wouldn't have been going through all that pain, the decade of pain when he was in charge. <laughs> Yeah, I would have. I would have definitely voted for a premature um, separation between Mike Milbury and the Islanders organization. That would have definitely led for good things. Um, you know, I, I, would, I would be remiss if I didn't comment one thing about the Washington series. Uh, and I think we talked about it last podcast how we were a little upset that Ross Johnston had not played, and we were getting run all over the ice. Uh, well, Ross Johnston played in Game Five, and. Uh, I don't know. Washington just kind of – they didn't have much testicular fortitude, uh, if you want to say, going up against the Islanders that game. And I just think it's the presence of Ross Johnston. You saw Tom Wilson. Uh, he wasn't being so truculent out there going after people. Tom Wilson was averaging two penalties a game, and those are minor penalties, fights, what have you. The man was averaging two, a little over two penalties a night. I don't think there was a single night besides Game Five he didn't at least take one minor penalty. You know, whether it's I mean, even in Game Four, he cross checks Scott Mayfield from behind, and Mayfield goes off with his shoulder a little banged up, and he runs him into the board, and it's boarding. Right? Ross Johnson's out there in the ice. You don't see any of that extracurricular ever partake in between the Islanders and the Washington Capitals. And I think, and again, we give aisles, um, eyes on aisles a little bit of trash here and there, and rightfully so, based off of the articles they pump out. But I think they had a good point in a recent article they posted. They said, would you rather have 11 or 12 minutes of Leo Komarov or nine minutes of Ross Johnson? And this series upcoming is going to be a physical series. I know we said that about the Washington Capitals, and the Washington Capitals series was a physical series. Um, I, I expect the Flyers series to be the same exact way. I don't remember who it was on the Flyers that cross-checked Sean Gallagher, I believe, in the mouth. Cross-checked him in the face and broke his jaw or something of that nature. At least that's what they said. Who the heck knows? Elaine Vigneault was trying to dispute that. Players on the ice were trying to dispute that because Gallagher was running his mouth. I don't know. I really don't care now. But it definitely was a late hit or it definitely was a cross-check right to the mouth. And you can't have – the Flyers trying to bully and intimidate you out there on the ice. You have to have a guy like there, like Ross Johnson on the ice, who is not afraid to fight and will enforce if need be. It allows the Islanders to play the style of hockey that they like without getting run, without the extracurricular after the whistles. It allows the Islanders to play Islander style of hockey. 
without having to feel like they have to muck it up and be more physical or have to, you know, fight in between the whistles, which is not necessarily something they like to partake in in most situations. Yeah, uh, agreed. I'm also going to say that uh, if Tom Wilson played against Ross Johnson every night, he'd probably be up for the Lady Bing Trophy because he is <laughs> totally neutered whenever he plays against Ross Johnson. He's scared of him. He won't fight him. He's a he's a gutless dog, that Wilson. It's just, You know what? Honestly, he reminds me a little bit of Big Dion Panuff. He'd take runs. He'd hit players. I mean, remember what he did to Kyle Ocposo? I still hate Dion Panuff. And he would fight the little guys, the guys he knew he could beat up. But anytime someone big would come and try to fight him, he would he would just completely whimper away like a dog with his tail held in between his legs. It was sad and pathetic. There's nothing worse than a guy like that. He's got the size. He's got the but no grit, no sand in his teeth. I hate to see that. Grumpy, you got me on a roll. You got me on a roll today, Grumpy. Uh, that's fine. Um, I, I will say he's tougher than Dion Panuff was. Panuff was a cheap shotter, but he was tougher. He's tougher than Panuff, unless you put Ross Johnston in there. Then all of a sudden, you know, he's not so tough you think, anymore. You think he does that with Zidane Charo on the ice? You think he does that with big guys who have the ability to fight him on the ice? Absolutely not. Yeah, I just know he's scared of Ross Johnston. That's all I know. He's scared of Ross Johnson. I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to fight Ross Johnson. He's an equalizer out there. He makes the whole team tougher. Matter of fact, he would have been great playing for the Flyers back in the day. I mean – that's a matter of fact, they would have had six or seven Ross Johnsons in the lineup back in the olden days for the, the filthy Delphi Flyers. They'd have six, the Flyers, right? they'd have six or seven Tom Wilsons out there on the ice. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you see the, that series. I'm going to be honest. The series between the Capitals and the Islanders got chippy. And obviously, I like that it kind of – the chippiness subsided in game five because I wasn't sure how much more I could yell at the TV screen when I was streaming the game. I tell you what, it's throw the remote time when Trotz puts Leo Komarov in there instead of Ross Johnson. For me, anyway. <laughs> well, we can definitely say this much. Uh, Cal Clutterbuck was back practicing with the team yesterday on Saturday, so it's safe to assume on Monday he's probably going to go ahead and suit up for the Islanders. So he's definitely going to be in the lineup, and I'm happy. I, I think Cal Clutterbuck had a great series against the Capitals until he got a little banged up. But it's really going to come down to Ross Johnson or Leo Komarov. I'm not sure who's going to dress. Um, you have to assume they're going to continue to roll the same exact formation and the same exact guys that you know helped them win the first three games against the uh, the Washington Capitals. So I think Leo Komarov is probably going to suit up. And I'll be interested to see what type of physical play and what type of shenanigans happen in between the whistles. Well, if you're it, actually, it wasn't. Uh... It wasn't um, – um, I'm sorry, Clutterbuck's spot that he took. It was uh, Derek Broussard. He yeah, was the one Derek Broussard was That's correct. That's right. So while Clutterbuck was out, Derek Broussard was also sat out. Uh, I had a, I had a senior moment there for a second, TJ. I mean, you were so wrong. I'm like, gosh, did he not realize what happened in the game? That's no, okay. Michael Del, Cole, Michael Del Cole and Ross Johnson were yes. out there on the ice. And I thought Michael Del Cole, it was too big of an occasion for him. Uh in that in that game five, I didn't think he played extremely well. He looked a little timid. Where Ross Johnston, he was just Ross the boss out there, doing his Ross Johnston things. He kept his shifts short, which is what you'd like. He wins every single battle that's along the boards, which is excellent because that happens a lot in playoff hockey. And he's an enforcer, and you don't see them start any type of shit with him on the ice. That's exactly what you need out of a guy. You need one guy who can really go ahead and enforce his will. If Matt Martin was back in his prime and had the ability to fight like he used to, we wouldn't need a Ross Johnson because Matt Martin has improved his abilities uh, on the ice a lot more since that time period. I know he's lost really the ability to fight, or at least that's kind of dwindled away, but his his stick work abilities and his positional skills have really increased over those time periods. Yeah, and I don't know if you know this or not, but our winning percentage when Ross Johnson's in the lineup is like 67%. So I, I know I just like to have him out there. I mean, we've been talking up Ross Johnson for how many years now? And I just think he's vital to this team. Vital to this team. Hmm. Yeah, well, Grumpy, that's, that's definitely something that I support, uh, needless to say. I also would be remiss if I didn't mention, as of right now, going into the series against the Philadelphia Flyers, um, Josh Bailey leads a team in points so far this postseason, and that's including the Florida Panthers series 
which I don't really count too much as a playoff series. But then the playoff series against the Washington Capitals, he's got two goals and eight assists over nine games. So 10 points. He's had a great postseason. And I think Anthony Bavillier has also had a spectacular postseason. Six goals, three assists in nine games. I think Bavillier's really, really done well. Yeah. Um, Bavillier, I thought, was the MVP of the series, not Josh Bailey. I don't care how many secondary assists he puts up. And here's the thing. I'm going to give Josh, you know, here's the thing. I always speak the truth on this show. And Josh Bailey has had a good week, week and a half for certain. Uh, I didn't think in Florida, even though he had some points, I thought he was a step slow. Uh, But I think that in the last series, he was better. And he is getting a lot of those – he's getting a lot of assists. He's got two goals and eight assists. he got a lot of those secondary assists. And he's had some primary. Oh, grumpy. But here's the thing. It's, it's because that whole line has performed extremely well. But who's the guy putting the puck in the net? It's Anthony Bavillier, all right? And, you know, Nelson has seven points. And, you know, when everyone would say, well, Matt Barzal needs to – well, Matt Barzell has seven points too. And I'm going to tell you what, Matt Barzell – has always played well against the Flyers. And I think we're going to see that in this series coming up also. I, I just I think this is going to be a short series also. I just do. I cannot agree more, Grumpy. Islanders in two. They're going to defeat them 4 nothing in two. <laughs> well, if you look at the regular season st- statistics this year against the Philadelphia Flyers, the Islanders were 3-0-0, and they outscored them, I think, something like 14-9. Again, the regular season really doesn't matter all that much. Uh, especially when we're looking here at the postseason play. But I think the Islanders are a mismatch nightmare for the Philadelphia Flyers. And the reason for that is the Philadelphia Flyers are a heavy four-checking team. They like to go ahead and press on the offensive side of the puck, and that occasionally leads to defensive lapses. And when that occurs, the Islanders usually take advantage of those, whether they're two-on-ones, three-on-ones, you know, three-on-twos, it doesn't matter. When they have numbers going the other way and they're able to counter-strike, you see them really go ahead and make other teams pay, and that is extremely important. Now, Carter Hart has played very, very well so far this playoff series. I know he was pulled in game two against the Montreal Canadiens. And, no, he's only pulled once, Grumpy. Um, I know you just – the only reason I said that because I saw you hold up too. I did I did look it up because I know you talked to me about this off air, but he was only pulled in one game, Grumpy old man. Um, I but he, had, he was also pulled in game five. They put Elliott in there in game five. What, in the last minute? No. In game five, he played 58 minutes and 34 seconds, so I figured that was just them pulling the goalie. Oh. Um, but he was, he was definitely pulled in game two, and he – you know, he could be a little shaky at times. He's a young goaltender, and it's going to be interesting to see how he does as the playoffs continue to progress. Now, if he stands on top of his head, obviously no team wants to run across a hot goalie, but people are making the argument that Simone Varlamov is so far the best goalie in this playoffs. Uh, he's played well. I don't think he's been, I don't think Varlamov has been spectacular. Uh, yeah, but the system is so good that he looks good. And uh, you're right. He was pulled in one game. He was going to get pulled in game five when he gave up the fourth goal. And it wound up. he was called over the bench, and then they wound up challenging for an offsides. And they took the goal away, and then they put him back out there. Uh, whereas if he would have given up that fourth goal, if it would have counted, he would have been benched. But I don't think that's good. When you're yanking your goalie potentially twice in a six-game series, I don't think that's good. I think Carter Hart is going to be a really, really good goalie. Uh, I don't think he's there yet. And he can make some fantastic saves. I don't think Montreal's that good. I don't think – they really should have made quick work of Montreal. Montreal, when you look at it, the grand scope and the pitcher – they were a team that was lucky to even make the playoffs. They were 12th seed. <laughs> exactly. They were a team that was lucky to even make the playoff situation. Um, I can promise you this much, grumpy old man. I feel bad for Carter Hart long-term if he sticks with the Flyers. Any type of goalie that plays on a team that's a heavy four-checking team is always going to be left to the mercy <laughs> of his opponent. Because when you have those odd man chances going the other way, you're really kind of left high and dry every once in a while as a goaltender. And yeah, and that's it's not something you'd like to see for a young man. I think Carter Hart's going to be a very, very special goalie. I 100% agree with you here. Um, but I, I think the Islanders do make quick work of the, the Philadelphia Flyers. I think this is a nightmare matchup, as I said earlier. And the Islanders are going to be able to exploit those heavy four-checking Philadelphia Flyers. 
there's one team I didn't want to play in the second round. It was Boston. Uh, I don't think they're a good matchup for us for whatever reason. They've owned us recently. I wanted I don't want to say I wanted to play Flyers because my brother is a Flyers fan. And this is like bragging rights. Um, it's family bragging rights. Yeah. And, you know, and the funny thing is the Islanders have only beaten the Flyers in the playoffs once. Of course, it was the most important one when we won our first Stanley Cup in 1980. Uh, and you know, I remember that. That's right, the Bobby Nice. Uh, well, I mean, I've talked about it on this podcast numerous times. I, I can still see where I was sitting in my parents' house back then. It was, oh, it was fantastic. Great day, great, great, great day. And I hope to see some great days this week coming up when we destroy those filthy flyers once again. <laughs> I will tell you one thing that I think is, is small that not really many people have looked at regarding this series. The Islanders have a back-to-back in the series. From Wednesday, I think they play Monday, Wednesday, and then they play Thursday. Yeah. Uh, I think that helps us. We're usually really good in those back-to-backs. It's going to be interesting. I I mean, I think the key to the series, you know a guy who's always given us trouble uh, for Philadelphia has always been Claude Giroux. But he's been really quiet and – He's been really quiet. I think Couturier has, is really a solid two-way center, uh, one of the best in the league. Um, but I just I just think we're going to just shut them down. I mean, we shut down Ovechkin, okay? I just think we're playing so well as a unit right now that I can see us – I see us winning this series, and depending on who we play in the next round, and I think Tampa is going to beat Boston, I could see us maybe going to the cup finals. Oh, grumpy. But, but, I know I'm getting ahead of myself here. Tampa Bay is much improved on the grit, on the grit front, where you could always kind of uh, maybe expect them to shrink a little bit in a big circumstance. They had to play extremely well to beat Columbus, and we've always played really well against Tampa. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. We've got to beat these filthy Delphia Flyers first. Yeah, grumpy. And I was about to say, I don't want to go ahead and look too much. Uh, what the landscape would look like. Um, we, want but, we want the cup. <laughs> yes, most certainly the Islander fans and, and you and I both would love to have a cup. Um, in the same token, though, it's one series at a time in the Philadelphia Flyers. I know we're saying we're going to make quick work of them. They're not going to be an easy team to beat. I just think it really is a bad matchup for the Flyers. Um, if they're playing a team like maybe the Colorado, at the Colorado Avalanche, or maybe another team that's a high-powered offensive team and it's a shootout, I think the Flyers bode well because I think they do have a very good goalie and they do go ahead and generate offensive chances. But in the same token, when you're playing a team that's a defensive-minded team and they really benefit from counterattacking opportunities like the Islanders, it's it's almost like the perfect weakness. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think the Flyers are that good. I, I know they got hot towards the end of the uh, season. And then we went on the break and they came out and played really well in the, uh, you know, the, the round Robin proceeding. Um, but I don't think, I don't think Boston certainly didn't take it serious. Uh, Washington was really a paper tiger out there. Um, and Tampa Bay was really good. Uh, but other than that, I don't, I just don't think they're that good. I don't think they're ready. I don't think they're good enough defensively to beat us. And the fact that I don't like them perhaps colors my judgment a little bit, maybe just a little bit, a little bit. Um, but I just, you're right. I don't see them matching up with us and I just want to beat them. I'm, I'm going to have high blood pressure this week. I know it. Now grumpy. Uh, I guess we can also say this is, this is a battle of two great coaches, two great NHL coaches between Elaine Vigneault and Barry Trotz. I mean, Vigneault had his struggles in, in Vancouver, they can never really beat their their Gargamel and the Chicago Blackhawks in the one year that they did. They lost in the finals to the Boston, the Boston Bruins. But Elaine Vigneault, it's hard to argue, is an excellent coach. Yeah. And what he's done with the Flyers really doesn't shock me all that much. I think he's a great coach. Where I know last series I said I thought the coaching <laughs> the coaching difference between Todd Rudin and Barry Trotz was substantial. Now, this series, I don't think so much that's the case. 
Yeah, he also got the Rangers to a cup final where they lost to uh, the Kings also. So he is a good coach. Um, but can he put a team over the top? And How many years ago was that grumpy old man? I don't know. Whatever year that uh, the Rangers lost with Lundqvist and goal when he had a good year. I don't know what year it was, 2015, 13. I don't know. I don't know. Don't quiz me on that. I don't follow the Rangers. I couldn't remember when Elaine Vigneault went to the – I mean, honestly, my, my memory is becoming a little blurred because I remember it was in 2011. He was still with Vancouver, and they lost the Boston Bruins. Um, and Elaine Vigneault has made it a lot of times to the Stanley Cup Finals, and he's made deep runs, and he's just never been able to win the Cup. So it will be interesting to see what exactly the difference is um, in the coaching matchup, I think they're both very well versed and they're both both very experienced and they're both guys who have a lot of playoff experience under their belts. Yeah, it was 2013-14 is when he led them to the finals and they lost to the Kings, the Rangers. And then uh, uh, they lost in the conference finals to Tampa and then a first round exit to Pittsburgh and then a second round to Ottawa. And then they missed the playoffs and he was gone. Um, so like I said, I, but I do, th- I do think he's a good coach. Um, I, I will tell you this. I remember when I used to watch those Vancouver Canucks every once in a while, um, the one complaint I had about Elaine Vigneault is he had no fire under his belt at all. And, again, this is where I'm a little different. Um, I like my coach to be a little fiery. I don't want him to be John Tortorella fiery, but there's always a time and a place where a coach has to get a little bit pissed off and he's got to show some emotions. I don't think Elaine Vigneault really did that. Yeah, well, you know, the other side of the coin is if you get like that and lose control of yourself, uh, it, it trickles down to your team. So. And what does it do long-term also for the view of the players to you? And, again, I've had that complaint about Barry Trotz every once in a while too. Um, in, in very specific situations, so it's not it's not it's not unique to say I had that complaint a little bit about Elaine Vigneault. That's being a fan. I mean, that's the fan in you coming out. Where you know I'm more analytical. You know, so <laughs> I don't look at it that way. Here's the thing: Elaine Vigneault is a good coach. Most I, just, I just don't think that the flaw. I just think that the way we're playing right now with total team buy-in, right? No passengers. Let's be honest. We're all healthy. I think we're really, really tough to play, really tough to play. And I I can't tell you how impressed I've been with Ryan Pulak and Adam Pellick coming back from injury. Uh, they've been a rock-solid number one defense pairing for us. I mean, they just shut down everybody. They've been great. Like I said, our issues have been the special teams. Our penalty kill was weak. But, I mean, we got a little better against Washington as the series went on. But our penalty kill, uh, our power play is abysmal, and so is Philadelphia's, and that helps us, honestly. Our power play being hideous is terrible. I think 5-on-5 play, again, we're really tough to beat. It's during those special teams that we're struggling a little bit right now. If we had either a a killer penalty kill or a – a very, very successful power play, we would be almost an un- impossible to beat Grumpy Old Man. Of course, you'd lose games here and there. But in the same token, our special teams are, I think, what's been giving us the most issues so far. I mean, you saw at Washington, their power play was struggling for the most part, and I think they were able to net either three or four power play goals in the series against us. Um, that's including Game 5. Uh, now, we had only had, I think, two power play goals and something like 20-plus opportunities, so a little under 10%. Um, not not something you'd like to see. You'd love to see the power play get ignited, get a little hot, especially in a series against the Flyers, maybe build some momentum. Well, that's the thing. You know, going back in the day when we played those dirty, slimy, scummy Flyers in 1980, uh, you know, they were always, they've always been dirty. They're a dirty, chippy, disgusting, filthy team. They've always been like that. They're still like that. Uh, you know, and back in the day, like I said, they would take penalties, but we were so good on the power play. They had to stop that. And that's why we, that's why we beat them in 1980. We just made them pay. Every time they went in the penalty box was a goal for us. You know, Trottier, Gillies, Potvin, uh, Bossy, all those guys, uh, we were lethal on the power play. Now we're not like that. So it'll be interesting to see. I think five on five, we're as good as any team in the league. Uh, 
we're going to have to step it up on specials, though. And I think Matt Barzell is going to have a big series. He seems to always play well against Philadelphia. And I don't think this series, I hope that does not change. He seems to always play really well against the Rangers also, which yeah. I love to see because I hate the Rangers as well. Um, but, yeah, we're definitely going to need players to continue to step up and to perform at the level that they have been so far the, in this postseason. Um, it's going to be a very important series for the Islanders. I'd love to see them get past essentially what is now the first round of the playoffs and successfully – or, I mean, they've gotten past the first round. I'd like to see them get past the second round of the playoffs. Um, this will be the first time that we've done that in my lifetime, grumpy old man. <laughs> well, like I said, you haven't, been around, you, haven't, you haven't been alive long enough to know we were really good. That's right. I've lived. I've lived through all the dark ages. I mean, really, until these last two years, I had only been alive for one playoff series victory in my entire life. Yeah. So you know, this is for me. If we obviously advance past the Flyers, this is this is new territory, grumpy old man. Yeah, it's not for me, but uh, hopefully with this team, it will be. And I hope that Josh, the king of the secondary assist, Bailey, keeps up uh, playing like he's playing now. Because I honestly, seriously. This might be some of the best hockey he's ever played in his whole career is in these last week, week and a half. There's no better time to perform the way he is like the, like the Stanley Cup playoffs. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Anders Lee, average Anders, uh, you know, he set the tone early in the last playoff series. Uh, and that's what a captain does. And he, and he did that. I mean – like I said, I call him as I see him. He had that series-altering hit against Backstrom, who just kind of had his head down and wasn't really malicious. I didn't think uh, so. But it definitely dealt damage, and I think Backstrom being out for the majority of the series really hurt the Washington Capitals also. Absolutely. That was a huge loss for them. Mm-hmm. And Brock Nelson cooled off from the first series, but still was solid defensively. You know, he's still going to miss He's still gonna miss his point-blank chances, uh, but – He's a solid two-way guy. I'll be interested to see how the line matchups go, if they're going to want to put that second line out there against uh, the Couturier line. I mean, I'll be interested to see if that's how it matches up. You want to know what's crazy, grumpy old man? Yes, I do. What's crazy? Islanders make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. That is going to be played in October. Yeah. And you know what month October is, right? That's my birthday is in that month. I know your birthday, grumpy old man. But it's Brock. Oh, it's Damn. it's Brocktober where he always performs unbelievably well. Is in October. Nothing would make me happier than to have Croc Nelson win the Conn Smythe Trophy in October. <laughs> nothing would make me happier. I'm still gonna rip him, but nothing would make me happier. Oh, Grump! I, I would love to see that I too. That I, was, be- I was doing the math and I was looking at it. I'm like, okay, if each series that they have penciled in is two weeks. So we've got two weeks relatively against the Flyers. That would bring us there into September. And then you've got, ideally, you've got another two weeks against, you know, whoever wins against the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Boston Bruins. And then in that Stanley Cup Finals, you're going to be playing in October. Well, TJ, I'm going to tell you what. I want you to tweet that out because I want you because you're the first person who's mentioned that to me. And I want you to tweet that out, and I want you to get credit. I want I everyone to I think I'd seen it from somebody else. I'd be lying if I told you I was doing the math on my own, but I saw it and I looked at it. I'm like, oh, okay, that does make sense. Okay. But trust me, it's not me just coming off of this at the top of my head. I think I saw that, or if I didn't, I dreamt that I've seen it. So maybe I maybe I haven't seen it, but I, I definitely think I've seen it either in my dreams or in real life. Well, post it anyway, or else uh, I will. So, <laughs> what are you, grumpy? What are you going to post it on with your very, very vast social media presence? I don't know. I just, I just threw that out there. I, I have zero social media presence, so you know, it is what it is. What can I do? <laughs> oh, grumpy old man. I'd probably get millberried or something if I had a social media presence. Who knows? Uh, grump, uh, grumpy. I don't know. Well, you, know, I don't feel like you'd no, say. You know what? I don't really don't have anything controversial. I really don't say anything that's controversial. I rip certain teams and certain people. Um, but I don't make broad-based statements that rip people in particular. So I was about to say, and again, I hate to harp on this movie. He has said a lot of dumb things he has, he that earned him a firing for many different time periods. And this is the thing that earned 
the funny thing is, if Mike Milbury was a more likable character and a more likable person, if Don Cherry said that, I know Don Cherry went his separate way and things happened the way it did, but if Don Cherry said that, they wouldn't even bat an eye because Don Cherry is so well-loved. Now, what Don Cherry said, I mean, he went on a little bit of a rant. It was only one line by Mike Milbury. Yeah, I, <laughs> it can really be disputed on who exactly he was talking about. I definitely take that as he's talking to the young men that can't control themselves and act like true professionals out there. In the well, I'm going to tell you what, you you have a different perspective than other people do, honestly. So I could see where uh, a lot of people don't have the same view as you. I mean, your view makes sense. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I I wasn't thinking of it exactly that way till I heard you mention it, and it does. It honestly, it does make sense. But you have you like I said, you're coming from a different perspective, and, and I'm coming from I'm coming from I understand the perspective of the coach. I was a player, and I understand what the coaches used to say. Remember, Milbury used to be a coach, and he's right, and a player, and a player. So exactly. you know that's so that's probably the world he's aspects, just like I have. Yeah. And I think people that don't understand that are just not privy to exactly what these players do behind closed doors and what they do at nighttime. The stories that you'd hear would scare people about what some of these young men do. Well, so, and the cancel culture does come from people who've never done. They just sit back and critique others. So, Well, I don't think – I'm, I'm not here to defend Milbury. I'm not. I don't – I, I know. You know, here's I, the thing. At 68 years old, he should have saved up enough money now where he can retire. So – you know, Milbury after he swindled after he swindled Charles Wong for so long and everything else. I think you know what? Milbury's got plenty saved. You'd hope he's got plenty saved up. I mean, he's I'm sure got a pretty lucrative deal with NBC Sports Network, or at least used to, depending on what happens, obviously, regarding his future. I mean, NBC Sports open up the spot for AJ Molesco, grumpy old man. Yeah, I I think AJ was better last week than she was this week. Um on the broadcast. Like I said, she's improved greatly from last year, but sometimes she still gets a little bit tongue-tied, like we all do. I mean, I did it today's podcast, right? And you do it all the time. Grumpy, so, I get tongue-tied all the time, but it's not my job. So I will say that much. I don't get as much practice and it's not my job. I don't get paid to do that. That's true. And sometimes she gets a little tongue-tied and it hurts her a little bit, but she's really, really improved, like we said, and, and her hairs look much better which is the, the thing I look at the most anyway. You know, I mean, you know, we've discussed that numerous times, comb the hair and, you know, get the conditioner in there. And she's, but I like her. I like her a lot. I think of all the Islander color people, uh, I think she's the best. Um, Butch has good insights when they do the pregame show and the post, but uh, in game, sometimes he struggles a little bit. I've never been a fan of Jennifer Bottrell, uh, AJ, like I said, I don't think AJ's going to be with the Islanders long. I don't. I think, I think she's going to get rebooted out, and rightfully so. I think she does a, a spot job, and she's going to continue to move up the ranks if she wants to, of course. I've enjoyed her being on, you know, part of the Islanders organization and everything of that nature. But I could definitely see her getting moved into a more, uh, a more public, uh, a more public role where she's going to be speaking to the masses. Absolutely, because she's been doing post game stuff for the Boston Bruins also. Yep. Uh, like where they have like a Boston Sports Tonight show, and she's been talking hockey with uh, the people on that also. So, uh, like I said, I, I don't think she's going to be with us long. I mean, we gave her a shot, and she's going to turn it into bigger things, honestly. And you know what? Yeah, Absolutely. She, I've had no issues with her. I've really enjoyed her. Um, it's odd that we're talking about this on our podcast. We usually don't talk about stuff like this. But, Grumpy, is there anything else you kind of want to talk about before we wrap things up? Uh, yes. Yes. How many do you think the series is going to go? And who do you think is going to win, Grumpy? Okay, I'm going to go through all of the series because, you know, that's what I do. Uh, <laughs> last night I watched uh, Dallas and Colorado, and an interesting thing happened, which has me questioning uh, my selection, but I'm still going to pick Colorado uh, in six, maybe seven games. And the only reason I think it's going to go that far is Grubauer got hurt yesterday. And they had Francois in net, and he didn't look very good. I think Grubauer has to come back, uh, or it's going to be a tough series. I was surprised that Dallas played as well as they did yesterday, and they, uh, you know, they took a one-zero series lead. Uh, I think that as good as um, as good as Vancouver's been playing, that's another one. I, I mean, I'm going to pick the. I really want to pick Vancouver, just because I've been so impressed with their young players. But I'm going to go Vegas in seven. 
in that one. Uh, and I'm going to say Tampa Bay in the East against Boston in six. And Islanders in – I hate to even give the Flyers a win. I'm going to say the Islanders a sweep. I'm just I'm just going to say it because I hate the Flyers. And let me tell you something. We better not lose to the Flyers because I'm. you think I'm angry now? Wait till something happens when we lose the Flyers because they're dirty. And I know they're going to try some of their cheap shot stuff. It's what they always do. I hate the Flyers. So there's no – here's the thing. We could be putting – John Sim and Marius Tchaikovsky out there, and I'd still pick the Islanders against the Flyers. Well, Grumpy, I remember you telling on a prior podcast, I hate to rehash this, but you said when the USSR played against the Flyers, you I were for the Russians. I for the Russians. And the Flyers were the only team that beat the Russians in that uh, Canadian series because they, they beat the hell out of them. They played Flyer hockey. And, you know, let's be honest, the Soviets were skilled players. And that's how you beat skilled teams. You got to goon it up. And the Flyers are real good with the diabetic center that they had with no teeth. Uh, you know, you had the big bird, Don Seleski, Dave the Hammer Schultz, Andre Moose Dupont. Listen to the names, okay? I mean, everybody had a name back there. And, uh, you know, I mean, they were a good team. They had some good players. Um, but they were a goon it up squad. And Bobby Clark was a real stick man uh, for the Flyers back in the day. I don't like uh, Tim Dr. Hook McCracken from Slapshot. So I hated Bobby Clark too, little chicken. He'd get out there and start a whole bunch of garbage, and then you'd have all his goons. That, that, that's how that third man in thing started, them in Boston, because they'd have one of their little cheap shot artists start something, and then they'd start a fight, and then all the other guys would jump in and beat the hell out of the other team's player. Disgusting. I hate the Flyers. I hate the whole city of Philadelphia. Pennsylvania is pretty much a miserable state, too. <laughs> I won't go as far as you, grumpy old man. But I guess if we're reeling it back in, dirty, I give the Islanders – A dirty city for a dirty team. I give the Islanders the victory over the Flyers in five games. I could yeah. see this maybe going six. There's no way in hell this goes seven games. I will be shocked if this goes seven games. I don't want to eat my words, but I would be shocked if this goes seven games. Um, and it might, but I, I would be thoroughly shocked. Now, when we're talking about – Tampa against Boston, I think the Lightning beat Boston, and I think they do so in a pretty convincing fashion. I think the game, I think the series is going to go six games, but I think Tampa and the games they win are going to look dominant. Yeah, um, the key to that series is shutting down Boston's number one line. I mean, Krejci's played well, but you if you want to beat Boston, you got to shut down Bergeron, uh, Pasternak, and Marchand. That's the key. Well, obviously, obviously with Tuka Rass not going to be playing, I think because he had – I think they gave a little more context. I think his daughter was having some some medical issue. I didn't read up too much into it. It never really interested me that much. Obviously, um, if the Islanders were to play him or played them at an earlier an earlier time period, maybe I would have paid a little more attention. But I think Tugaras was having some medical issues with his family, and I understand that. I mean, it's the same exact reasoning why Travis Hamonick kind of sat out. Um, obviously, it was odd that he played a few games and then left, but I think maybe it's because things got kind of bad at home. Um, but I think it's really going to be a struggle for the Boston Bruins to consistently win with Yaroslav Halak in that. And again, I like Halak, but over the long term, I'm just not sure he can continue to to carry the torch for a team to win the Stanley Cup Finals. And and when we kind of switch gears a little bit and look at the Vegas Golden Knights against the Vancouver Canucks, ooh, man, I've got the Vegas Golden Knights, and the only reason is because I think the goaltending is good. Um, I know. Um, now, does he go by Jakob Markstrom or Jacob Markstrom? I can't remember. He has an Jacob, odd pronunciation. Jacob, Jacob. That's what I say. I think he, is he Swedish or is he American or maybe he's uh, Canadian. I don't know. He's a but goalie. Always... He's a goalie, and he's been, playing, <laughs> he's been playing well. You know, there's a little bit of a goalie kerfuffle going on in Vegas. Honestly, started by uh, Mark Andre Fleury's uh, agent putting out a little meme where he showed a like a knife in the back of uh, Marc-Andre Fleury with the name of DeBoer on it. And DeBoer is the coach of uh, Vegas. So that's something to look forward to also. I did I did see that on social media, grumpy old man. And yeah. I was I was laughing my bottle. I'm going to be honest with you. 
I like Marc-Andre Fleury. I feel like he gets a bad rap. But holy shit, as an agent, man, why don't you just control yourself? What were you hoping was going to happen? You hope that maybe you're going to earn some public opinion points or something like that? What type of good does that have to do when you're now going to be drawing negative attention towards your client during the playoffs where he's going to be having to answer and field questions about this this post that the agent made? I, You know... I don't understand. That's grounds for firing an agent right on the spot. I mean, like, I can't believe you, your lack of professionalism right there. Even if you feel that was the case, and even if the player is telling you that in confidence, what the hell are you doing sharing that on social media where everybody can see? And now you're going to have all the NHL pundits. You're going to have people like us on podcasts. Everybody and anybody who's got something to talk about with the NHL related is going to be bringing that up. I think that was very, very unprofessional in his agent. TJ's on fire today. He sounds like the grumpy, what? angry young man. I'm the grumpy old man, but he's the angry young man. When you're talking about relations between players and coaches and agents, I've had experience with stuff like that. And I can tell you one thing, that is grounds for immediate firing. I can tell you, obviously, you know, you have different types of relationship with agents. But in the same token, that was very, very poor on that agent's part. I can promise you that much. Yeah, um, not wise. Not a, not a wise choice. That game, that series is going to be – that's going to – I'm looking forward to that series. I, I mean, I, I like I said, I think the hockey – so since we've been in the bubble has been absolutely fantastic. It has. And I'm going to – I'm going to give you – now, do they know how badly Grubauer is injured, grumpy old man? I, I – you know what? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't look it up this morning. I didn't. Uh, I didn't do my homework on that. I was so fired up talking junk about the Flyers that uh, you know I was not as prepared in that secondary <laughs> as I was should have been. Well, Grumpy, I do think I'm actually going to disagree with you here. I think the Dallas Stars are going to beat the Colorado Avalanche, and I think I don't know how long Grubauer is going to be injured, um, but I, I'm picking the Dallas Stars again. I, it depends if he's injured long term or if he's going to miss some time. I'm going to pick the Dallas Stars, and I'm going to pick them in. Whew, I'm going to pick them in six games. I still think Colorado wins, and I think Colorado is a talented team. But without Grubauer, I think that obviously hurts. Yeah, that's a that, that's a big loss. That is a big, big loss for them. Um, and here it is. I can, I can read you the latest. He will not be in the lineup Monday for Game Two against Dallas, and that hurts them. Um, so I mean. Franzos has done a good job filling in for him in the past. Uh, this is, uh, to me, our, uh, uh, Colorado has to win this next game. Well, when you, look, when you look at the injury, it looks like it's one of those either the groin or a hip injury, right? Lower he body. had to be helped out. What was that? Lower body. Yeah, lower body. I'm being more specific. I'm looking at the split he did. And how many times have you seen goalies? I mean, Roberto Luongo was a perfect example. The guy battled groin injuries his entire career. And it looks like when he came off the ice and had to have people help him off the ice as he had men under both arms, he probably might not even be returning the rest of the series. Those groin injuries can really be a pester for NHL goalies. And if that's the case, and if he's going to miss time, and if this is a groin or even if this is a hip injury, I'm not sure. Usually when you're having to be carried off the ice, it's pretty serious. Um, But I think, especially when you're goalie too, and you need that lower mobility in order to make saves, I think I've got the Dallas Stars in six, Grumpy. Now, remember, they're having their own goalie issues. I mean, Kadobin played well yesterday, but can Ben Bishop come back? I mean, that's another another question. I think, yes, don't feel, man. I think here's the thing. Colorado's going to have to tighten up defensively, though. I'm just going to tell you that flat out. Most certainly. And, and, again, who knows if that's even a possibility for them. Oh, it sounds like you have a little visitor over there. I do, Grumpy, yes. Podcast. Yes, yes, yes. A little cat popped in. It's oh. meowing at the door, so I let her in. It's probably hungry. It's the only reason that cat likes you. Yeah, I was about to say, it doesn't like me long term, but it knows anytime I'm around, yeah. it gets free table scraps. There you go. Very good. <laughs> well, Grumpy Old Man, thanks so, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast as always. And uh, is there anything else you want to say before we kind of wrap things up? I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who listens to the podcast and Uh, it's always a pleasure talking NHL and Islander hockey with you. Well, thank you so much, Grumpy Old Man. And and again, I I do enjoy talking hockey and NHL with you. I'm I'm interested to see how the series goes against the the Philadelphia Flyers. I can't wait till Monday. And also thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, they allow us to go ahead and have this podcast on multiple different platforms, whether you're listening on SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can find the 
what is it? The Hockey Podcast Network version of the Never Say Die podcast. Uh, thank you. How are you? Yeah. Sounds like <laughs> she wants to listen to the podcast too. <laughs> it's been endorsed by the cat. Uh, well, thank you so much, grumpy old man. The that's right. The Islanders uh, Never Say Die podcast uh, is approved and recommended by the Feline Association of America. The Feline Association of America. Yeah, usually, you never hear anything from the cat, but I guess today, you know, just wanted to be a little special. Wanted some attention. Wanted some food. But thank you so much, grumpy old man, and I appreciate being a being a part of the podcast. Thank you.